Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Wherever you're going today, we're going to be praying for you in just a few minutes here, in just a minute or two. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever your needs are. But uh, it's good to have you on the program today, being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family, keeping you informed. It's part of our job. Keeping you inspired is also part of our job. So we, we do that by breaking the show into two parts. First part this hour, we'll cover all the breaking news and stories. We'll have great interview with uh, David L. Gray, David L. Gray YouTube channel. You should check that out. He's going to talk about the state of the union, uh, a nation more divided than ever. How do we address that as Catholics in 2021? That's going to be our conversation later in this hour. Plus, we'll have a, a section called uh, What's Concerning Us, where we'll pick out a few stories and we'll just banter about that about uh, from the team here. Of course, we're going to talk about the saint of the day, gospel of the day, and more, all coming up in this hour. If you can hang out with us in the next hour, then we would love to have you. We'll have more breaking news and stories. We'll have the greatest trivia game show in the history of Catholic Radio. Uh, well, at least close to it anyway. Uh, that's coming up in the next hour. Plus, we'll have a conversation, if you're able to join us, with a buddy of mine, Dave Denuso, who was very near death due to COVID. And we're going to talk to him about his experience and how God helped him through that very difficult time. So that's coming up in the next hour, if you are, in fact, able to join us. But joining me here in the studio is Emily Alcarez. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Praise be to Jesus. Back in the studio. Uh, so it's nice to be back in the same room. Of course, uh, Adrian Fonseca's on the ones and twos, as I say, producing the show. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive. How are you? I'm doing well. Keeping busy, as always. Yeah. Did either one of you celebrate New Year's, like in a very significant way at all? Well, no. <laughs> honestly, I, me and my family, we always have a party for New Year's, and we had a huge party, and my whole family came over, extended family all showed up, and I was so tired, I went to bed at 11 o'clock <laughs> and didn't make it to midnight. <laughs> the rest of my family stayed up, and I, and I heard them all cheering at midnight, and I rolled over and went back to bed. <laughs> you did better than me. I went to bed at 9. <laughs> nine. I think I went to bed at like 10 or something. Like Good night. God bless. I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> Uh, speaking of parties and celebrations, Station of the Cross joins the Catholic Drive Time welcome. family today. So New York and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, God love you and God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. We're uh, we're happy that you are on board. You can always watch the live video feed. We we do stream to several social platforms. We're live on Facebook right now. Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time is a great place to find and comment on the program. Of course, we're also on Twitter, Instagram. You can find us by looking for a Catholic Drive Time there as well. And I also per personally post over at Parlor. You can find me at Catholic Hack. So at any rate, let's pray and let's begin our program today. Again, David L. Gray will be our guest later in the hour. But whatever your needs are, whatever your intentions, whatever you need physically, materially, financially, spiritually, whatever your challenges are, whatever you have to face today, let's bring those together as our intentions. I'm praying for our team. I'm praying for our equipment. I'm praying for the show, our radio apostolate, and I'm praying for all of you, dear listeners, and my own family. Um, let's whisper them. Let's have Our Lady whisper them into the ear of her son. 
uh, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now, the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Nancy Pelosi has been narrowly re-elected as Speaker of the House. A new Congress took office amid political uncertainty, with Senate control undecided and a Republican fight looming over presidential election results. The Senate remains Republican-run ahead of twin elections in Georgia on Tuesday. A Republican win of one or both Georgia Senate seats up for election on Tuesday would cement the Republican majority led by Mitch McConnell. A double Democratic win in Georgia would produce a 50-50 Senate, where Democratic Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would hold the tie-breaking if she's sworn in on January 20th. Large numbers of healthcare and frontline workers are refusing to get the coronavirus vaccine. In Ohio, 60% of nursing home employees decided not to take the COVID vaccine. Last week, Governor Mike DeWine reacted to the low participation numbers by saying, quote, We aren't going to make them, but we wish they had a higher compliance. Unquote. He added that he was troubled by how many nursing home workers rejected the vaccine. Dr. Joseph Varon, chief of staff at United Memorial Medical Center in Houston, is frustrated that over half of the nurses in his unit will refuse to get the vaccine. In California, an estimated 50% of frontline workers in Riverside County turned down the COVID-19 vaccine. Public Health Director Kim Saruwateri told the Los Angeles Times, specific reasons for the widespread refusal are still unclear. Pope Francis has accepted the resignation of the Archbishop who was exiled from Belarus. On January 3rd, the Holy See announced that Archbishop Tadeusz Kondrusevich had requested his resignation on his 75th birthday, as is traditional according to church canon. The Archbishop was exiled from his home country of Belarus after speaking out against the authoritarian government and praying outside of a prison where protesters were being held in August. On the day the Archbishop was allowed to return to his home country, he said in a homily, quote, The challenges of the coronavirus pandemic and the socio-political crisis call us to return to true religiosity, which shows that we are created for something more than just caring for earthly affairs and pleasures, end quote. The Catholic bishop who was kidnapped in Nigeria has been released. Bishop Moses Chikwe and his driver, Nundubuisi Robert, were both released five days after being kidnapped by unidentified gunmen. Bishop Chikwe is the auxiliary bishop of the Catholic Archdiocese of Oweri, and he received his Ph.D. in education from UCLA. Bishop Chikwe's abduction is the latest in a series of kidnappings that have targeted clergy in Nigeria, although previous abductions have involved priests and seminarians, not bishops. These have been your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines today. Uh, now, the saint of the day, you might be thinking it's St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Well, you'd be right. It is. It is her feast day. That is the common one. Of course, she opened a school in Boston. She ran it like a religious community after her 
husband passed away and she was left uh, almost penniless with five children. But that is not, in fact, the uh, saint of the day that I want to share with you. One of the things I love to do, and I love the saints, I love to talk about the lives of the saints. I like to share with you the stories of saints you probably haven't heard of before, and I particularly give uh, a little extra uh, effort to saints that were martyrs. But today is not a martyr. Uh, saint Angela of Foligno, born in 1284, 1248 rather, in Italy. Um, she was born to a wealthy non-Christian family. She married young, but she lived a pretty wild life. You know, um, she did have several children, of course, but she was a little party. She liked to party a lot. Very adulterous and sacrilegious lifestyle. But in 1285, she received a private revelation that brought her to conversion. And it would change the rest of her life. After the death of her mother, husband, and children, she turned to God to spend the remainder of her days living a very penitential life. She became a third order Franciscan. In fact, she led a group of tertiaries. And uh, she was noted for her charity, her penance, her humility. She was a visionary, a mystic, and a writer. And she dies in January 4th, 1309, there in Italy of natural causes. She would be beatified by Pope Innocent Twelfth and canonized on October the 9th, 2013, by His Holiness Pope Francis. St. Angela Feligno, pray for us. And the gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. His fame spread all to Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick with various diseases and racked with pain. Those who were possessed, lunatics and paralytics, he cured them all. And great crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We like to comment on the Gospel today. If you're joining us from the Station of the Cross, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of the family here at Catholic Drive Time. But we always like to give a little bit of a commentary insight onto the Gospels of the day. And several things stand out to me on this particular Gospel. Of course, we see that Jesus, the, the, the mention of John the Baptist being arrested, it's at this point when Jesus turns on his ministry in a much more intentional way. And I think part of that is some of the commentaries that I've read was that uh, he wanted to, uh, John's job was to 
pave the way, to make straight the path, to make the call, right? To let those in all of Judea know that the Messiah was coming and he was now here. And now that everybody needed to focus on him, right? John must decrease, Jesus must increase. Those were John's words. And I think we see that here. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee and there he begins this, this wonderful opportunity. Now it's important he goes to Capernaum because Capernaum is like the halfway point between two worlds colliding. You have the world of the, of the Jews. You have the world of the Gentiles. They're, uh, coming together in Capernaum and he preaches to both. He goes to both the Gentiles and the Jews. And in some way, he also preaches to the exiled ten tribes of the north. We might remember from the Old Testament how they were assumed by Assyria and they were sort of spread thin through the Gentile peoples um, and sort of decimating them, right? Well, now he's bringing them back. He's reconstituting the twelve tribes and he's bringing in the lost children, not just the Jews or the Israelites, but to all of the world. He's going to the four corners and he's preaching to the Gentiles as well. And so it's a beautiful uh, uh passage from Isaiah that he's quoting here, uh, where he is bringing light into this darkness. And I was reminded this line, on those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. I immediately thought of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico in 1531, and how the Aztecs were so consumed by worship of Satan, and they were murdering hundreds of thousands of human victims uh, in their altars. And this was such darkness and depravity going on in their culture. It was light brought to these people, which is why we saw uh, nearly uh, five plus million converts in the span of only a few years uh, after her apparition there. So, I just love this, that Christ is the light to a dark world in desperate need for this light. And of course, we see also... uh, they're bringing the sick to him, right? So, but in some respects, it's like, yes, he has pity, he has mercy upon us and our needs, our physical needs. Yeah, he, he wants to help us, but he's come to bring us something greater than just healing our material or physical needs. Yes, that plus more. It's both and. He wants more than just that. That is the kingdom of God is at hand. And I just wonder what it would have been like to sit there to see Christ in this, uh, in this one moment, preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. I wonder if my heart would skip a beat if I were sitting there in that crowd, or if I would just want him to heal me of X, Y, or Z. I don't know, but it just the thought occurred to me. Adrian, what do you got? Uh, yeah, so definitely, I think that what we see here in Scripture is just especially if we look at one verse earlier on verse 22, we see the, the vocation of the apostles. And what struck me is how, how beautiful it is that we see the vocation of the apostles, how just one word from our Lord just pierces their hearts and they are willing to lay down their nets. And the nets are a symbol of being caught up in the world, being caught up in vanities. And when they lay down their nets, they're able to follow our Lord in a, in a more perfect way. Well, that music means we got to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a section called What's Concerning Us, where we pull out two or three stories and we chat about them from a Catholic perspective. All that coming up in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming next. Can a moral relativist object to God's goodness based on the problem of evil? The answer is no, at least when it comes to moral evil. And here's the reason. You see, moral relativism states no moral truths exist independently of the individual. That's to say what is right and wrong is relative to what the individual determines. 
Now, how can a relativist deviation from his own moral standard be considered morally evil when there's nothing to oblige him to follow his moral standard? The answer is, it can't. But if no moral evil can exist within the mental framework of moral relativism, well then obviously a relativist complaint about the problem of moral evil is useless. So the relativist either has to give up the complaint about the problem of moral evil to keep relativism, or give up relativism to keep the complaint about the problem of moral evil. The relativist can't have both. I'm Corlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. the segment we call What's Concerning Us. And I don't know about you, Emily, uh, but I found probably two or three stories that really were concerning to me over the weekend. Did you see anything? Well, for me, Joe, actually, I found a lot of good news in the headlines. Well, praise so, God. <laughs> why don't we start with the bad, and then maybe oh, I can point I out all the... <laughs> okay. You always want me to start. Get it but, out of the way. <laughs> well, you know, this morning I saw, we're on Church Militant's website, Irish TV airs blasphemy. And again, we, we link to our stories. We, we'll post them over on the Facebook side. Um, maybe in the future we'll post them ubiquitously everywhere, but we're not there yet. So we just focus on the Facebook side. You can find us over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. I'll post links there. But So the article says, Irish TV airs blasphemy. And this shocked me when I, when I read this. It says, Ireland's Catholics are being urged to defend, or rather defund, defund, the nation's taxpayer-funded broadcaster after it televised a mock news report on New Year's Eve accusing God of, quote, raping the Blessed Virgin Mary, unquote. Like, my heart skipped a beat just, just reading that. Like, that's, that's insane. And uh, they even went so far as to have a person dress up in a to- uh, an older gentleman with white hair, long beard, dress up in a toga wearing sandals, being hauled off in handcuffs by a police officer, apparently. Um, it's a sacrilegious sketch, which features former a- uh, RTE anchor uh, uh, describing God as the latest figure to be implicated in ongoing sexual harassment scandals. I don't know. I read this and I go, yeah, they're trying to be funny. They're trying to be cute. But there's nothing funny and cute about uh, talking about Our Lady, let alone God the Father in this way. It, it, it just it disturbed me just to read the article. Emily, did you see that article? No, I didn't see it until right now, but that's really horrific. I, I hate to see a Catholic country, formerly Catholic, like Ireland, go down that route of, of sacrilege and going completely against what they – what develop their their entire culture you know um john the john the apostle was the only disciple who had the courage to stand at the foot of the cross next to our lady and uh, our lady stood there knowing that her son needed to suffer and die as isaiah 53 psalm 22 and prophecies in daniel and elsewhere would suggest for the salvation of souls 
rather than cry out, scream out, beg for, for him to be taken down, beg for him to call down the legions of angels to his own defense, she, she stood there silently uh, watching him suffer and die a horrific death. John the Apostle was the only one, and it was our Lord who said to him, Behold your mother, to the beloved disciple. I can't imagine, like I said a minute ago in the, in the gospel section, standing there and uh, seeing Jesus say, repent and believe in the, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That alone would be so incredible to see. But could you imagine having mocked his own mother and then go to your judgment and have to face him, to look him in the eye, knowing that you mocked his mother? Like, I can't imagine. Adrian, can you can you fathom this? Well, the thing is about this story is I, I've seen this story before, actually. Like, it's it's new story here in Ireland, but this has happened many times. I remember a couple years ago first hearing about this from some feminist theologians about how our, our Lord sexually – I see, I can't even like, bring myself to, to say this. It's disgusting, violating. It's, it's absolutely despicable. But this kind of idea has been around for a while amongst feminist theologians talking about the, this accusation against our Lord to Our Lady – and it's disgusting. It's absolutely – it's purely made in order to push an agenda of feminism and – It's outrageous. And it's, yeah. it's outrageous. And, it's and absurd. Not only that, but it's irrational because we know that Our Lady gave the words fiat. She consented to everything. <laughs> and she was betrothed to Joseph. Exactly. So this idea of an unwed, unplanned pregnancy is nonsense. No, Mary was completely on board. She yeah. – she gave and consented her will entirely to everything that was going on. Amen. So. Yeah. Shocking story. It, re- it really made me feel disgusted this morning to see the headline alone. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. It just disgusts me. Okay, speaking of another one, can I give another negative one or do you want to go, go positive? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, how do you want to spin this? Okay, so I saw over the weekend, I uh, kept a, a, like a little bit of an eye on the news a little bit. And besides the politics that are that's out there that's going on, here's a story that did give me some pause. Now, you might recall a year ago today, Right. A, a year ago at this time, there were all those videos throughout December, November, December, and into January. We were all watching these crazy videos come out of China of, uh, of, of people being dragged out of their cars, hauled off, locked into their apartment buildings by steel bars. Remember that? Like, do you remember those videos, the drones chasing people, all those crazy videos that came out of China? Mm-hmm. And we're, and we're all like those poor people, those poor Chinese people. And, you know, I naively thought, oh, that'll never happen here. Could never happen in America. Never, never, never. Remember that? Do you remember those videos? I do. Was it really a year ago? Is it, <laughs> the year was a year about this wow. time. It feels like forever. But here's an article out of the blaze. Headline goes, New York Democrat introduces bill allowing government to order the removal and detention of people with contagious diseases. Now, this is uh, Assemblyman uh, Noah Nicholas Perry, a Democrat in New York, who has called for this. And here's basically what the bill states. Quote, Upon determining by clear and convincing evidence that the health of others is or may be endangered by a case, contact, or carrier, or suspected case, contact, or carrier of a contagious disease that in the opinion of the governor, after consultation with the commissioner, may pose an imminent and significant threat to the public health, resulting in severe morbidity or high mortality, 
The governor or his or her de, uh, delegee, including but not limited to the commissioner or the heads of local health departments, may order the removal and or detention of such a person or of a group of such persons by issuing a single order identifying such persons either by name or by a reasonable specific description of the individuals or group being detained. Now, the good news is they won't detain you for more than 60 days without uh, a further court order. Could you imagine? Now, um, the Assemblyman, Mr. Noah Nicholas Perry, did say that he thinks that the criticisms of, of this is uh, overrated because he did say that, uh, he says, quote, there is no intent, no plan or provision in my bill to take away or violate any rights or liberties that all Americans are entitled to under the Constitution, either state or federal. He, so that's his response. But I got to tell you, um, once you give the government the power to go into people's home and remove them, uh, because they think that they could be uh, sick and and contagious. That is, you're well on your way to to happening in America. What we will see, in, what we saw in China over a year ago, yeah. and it's happening again now. By the way, there's fresh video out right now of this happening once again in China. Yeah, and it's not only China. We see similar things already beginning to ha- take place in Europe and Australia. For example, people who have been traveling from the UK are required to um, quarantine in a hotel. But not only that, this is criminalizing this would criminalize people for something that they have no control over um i'm not you wouldn't try to get COVID on purpose but now we're we're trying to criminalize people for health concerns that they have no control over so ridiculous you the solution can't be worse than the problem itself and that's a principle and we're seeing civil liberties really in jeopardy in the midst of what we call a pandemic. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I want to believe the best of Mr. Perry. I don't want to assume the worst uh, from him. But I got to say that this, I guess I'm more libertarian than I realized. I would not want to see uh, that become law in the state of New York or any place else, for that matter, in America. It's scary stuff. And yeah. Uh, the fact that this has never happened before with any other virus, we've never criminalized people for carrying a virus. So I don't see any reason why that should begin now. Do you have more news, bad news, Joe? <laughs> no, I've got a good story, but you go first. All right, I'll start with the good story. So this is kind of, I mean, it's about China. So bad, bad news there. China's bad news. But we're continuing to see journalists and Catholics um, being jailed f- for faulty, uh, under faulty premises in China. Um, Of course, we see Jimmy Lai, the journalist that I've been following, has been jailed again. But a bishop from the underground Chinese church has just passed away Mm. at the age of 99. Now, this bishop was imprisoned for 27 years in the concentration camps in China. Oh, wow. And so just reading about him has been so edifying to see that uh, under these circumstances, that someone who could continue to remain steadfast in his faith and charity. And I have a suspicion, Joe, that in a hundred years, we are going to be canonizing the martyrs who died under the Chinese communist regime that is going on today, the concentration camps that are there today. In a hundred years, we will be canonizing the saints who, who remained faithful under these circumstances. Um, yeah. You remember that video that came out? I guess it's been five months now. Of the bishop that was forced to to step down because the Vatican 
recognized the guy that the Chinese government put in place. And so the legitimate bishop there was forced to, to step down and give the guy the keys to the office. And mm-hmm. so there was the, the video of him coming out of his apartment and blessing the cameras. Remember that? Like, because wow. he, he knew that they were watching him. Right. So he was trying to, he still had, he still had zeal in his heart for the, for the, for the overwatchers, the p- actual people monitoring the, the screen. You know, he wanted to bless them and pray for their conversion. You know, that's the, that's a, in a nutshell, the situation in China. Uh, Cardinal Zen was, has been begging the world to listen. He went to Rome. He tried to get an audience with his holiness, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to to visit with Pope Francis. Um, unfortunately, Pope Francis did have time for the NBA, but not for uh, not for Cardinal Zen. Uh, it's a tragic situation, and I think unfortunately we will have martyrs to to uh, canonize. Uh, we shouldn't, right? We should do something. We should say something. We we talked to Jason Jones last week. Remember about mm-hmm. the, the Uyghur situation? It was still it's horrible. Concentration camps are happening right now. In China, and we just don't talk about it. We don't deal with it. We just let it go. Not only that, but the Catholic Church, we of all people, have always spoken up for, think of Pope John Paul II speaking up for, against the communist regimes, against communist Europe. Um, right. I mean, what has insane. happened to the Catholic Church? We were always the voice against against communism, against yeah. the mistreatment of human life. You know, we, we should probably do a show sometime on Pius XII. Oh, you know, that would be great. Because that's always been like the, yeah. the biggest, you know, the Hitler's Pope and all of that nonsense. Although he wrote the only encyclical, he wasn't Pope at the time, but he did write it. And he wrote it in German and then smuggled it into Germany so that it could be read as a hammer blow to the to Nazis and right. their crazy, uh, crazy worldview. And, uh, and in fact, I have a great copy uh, of Eugenio... Um, um, I, the guy who was uh, the chief, uh, I don't want to say, all of a sudden he converted. He converted to the Catholic faith. My brain just shut off there for a minute there. <laughs> okay. uh, at any rate, he converted because of what the Pope did to save Jews in, in uh, Rome. I'll have to refresh my memory, and on the other side of the break, I'll tell you all about it. But David L. Gray is going to be our guest here in about uh, about seven minutes from now. Plus, more breaking news and stories. All that coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when people set out to destroy the church? They don't destroy the church, but they manage to wreck everything else. G.K. Chesterton says men who begin to fight the church for the sake of freedom and humanity end up flinging away freedom and humanity if only they may fight the church. The secularists have not managed to destroy divine things, but they have destroyed secular things. Thanks to the war against the church, the world is a mess. We have more disorder, more distress, more discontent than ever before. And that's why we must defend the faith. By defending God's truth, we are defending all truth. By defending the church, we are saving the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. What are my resolutions for 2021? Let's see. Exercising more, going to daily mass, read and study the Summa, eat healthier. Wait, do you mean the Summa Theologia? I sure do. Do you want to join me for a new Summa class I'm teaching? Really? That'd be so cool. On the radio. 
You want me to learn about the Summa for the first time on the radio with millions of potential listeners? Yes. What could possibly go wrong? Join CISO in learning from the great doctor of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas, beginning Friday, January 8th at 2 p.m. Central on our new show, Back to the Father, here on the GRN. Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. Adrian over here is just—he knows where my button is and he's pushing it. <laughs> God love him. God bless him. Eugenio Zoli was the guy I was trying to think of before my brain shut off before the break. He was the chief rabbi in Rome who converted because of the actions of Pius the Twelfth. Oh, he didn't just convert because of that, but he does give uh, honor to uh, Pius the Twelfth because of what he did to save Jews. At any rate, coming up here in just a few moments, we're going to be speaking with David L. Gray. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. He's brilliant. We're going to talk about the state of the union from a Catholic perspective. It seems more divided than ever. Does 2021 offer any hope? We'll get his take on all of that coming up in just a moment. By the way, if you're looking for podcast versions of our site, you should, you should check out uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Great place to get those. Also, we do post video, live video and individual interview segments and hours over on our YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com forward slash grnonline. While you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. We'd be very grateful to you. But now more breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcarez. A New York Democrat has introduced a bill that would allow the detainment of contagious individuals. New York's Libertarian Party is speaking out against new legislation that would vastly expand the power of the state's governor, permitting the detainment of individuals deemed to, quote, pose an imminent and significant threat to the public health, end quote, by being a suspected case, contact, or carrier of a contagious disease. The bill goes on to call for the detention of such individuals in a medical facility or other appropriate facility or premises designated by the governor until the government determines the person is no longer a contagious threat. Cody Anderson, chairman of the New York Libertarian Party, denounced the bill as offering a clear and direct path to unconstitutional and indefinite detainment. The Washington Post released a recorded phone call of President Donald Trump to the Georgia Secretary of State. The president presented Ben Raffensperger with data, claiming the final vote count in Georgia was off by hundreds of thousands of ballots. The president said, quote, We have won this election in Georgia based on all of this, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, end quote. Raffensperger denied these claims, although the president asked him to reconsider. The president's critics are suggesting that this could be a criminal offense. A bishop in the underground Chinese Catholic Church has died. According to the Catholic outlet Asian News, Bishop Andre Han Jingtao, who was the underground bishop of Xiping, died at the age of 99. After Mao Zedong took power, the late bishop was sent to a concentration camp where he was imprisoned for 27 years for refusing to participate in the communist government's independent church. After being put under strict house surveillance in 1997, he continued to tend his flock under constant threat, convening secret gatherings and encouraging the laity to remain steadfast in faith and charity. According to recent statistics provided by Asia News, his diocese includes some 30,000 Catholics, two-thirds of which belong to the underground church. It has 20 priests and more than 100 nuns. Pope Francis was unable to attend this weekend's liturgies due to his painful sciatica. Pope Francis has suffered 
for, from sciatica for a number of years. He spoke about it during an in-flight press conference returning from a trip to Brazil in 2013. Cardinal Pietro Perelin, the Secretary of State, offered the Mass in St. Peter's Basilica instead. The Holy Father was still able to recite the Angelus on January 1st, the Vatican Statement said. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for uh, reading the news and keeping us up to date. God is so very good. Uh, right now, joining us via Zoom chat is David L. Gray, all the way from uh, from Cincinnati, I think. But uh, I saw a terrible post yesterday, David. Uh, good morning to you. Happy New Year to you. But I want to say I saw you wearing a Browns hat, and I just think I got a little queasy seeing that. Uh, is, do you have good news about the Browns? I mean, could there be good news about the Browns? David O'Gray. I think you're muted, dude. David, I need you to unmute your video. There you there are. You Praise God. I was just making Hello. fun of your Browns, and then your your mic is muted. That's never a fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, happy New Year, Joe. How you guys doing? Happy New Year to you, too. Praise be to Jesus. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the Browns. You know, I'm from um, yeah, I'm from Ohio. I'm living in St. Louis now. But, yeah, the Browns are um back in the playoffs after 18 years. So that's that's a big deal. That's a, a minor miracle. <laughs> that's a minor miracle. Well, praise God for it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that they were still a football team, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> right. Are the do. Bengals still around? I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't keep up with these things. Does their Bengals still exist? I'm not sure. Yeah, that, yeah, that team in Kentucky, I think they're still there. Okay. So, okay. That's yeah. Kentucky. I got it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Well, God is very good. David L. Gray, uh, we want to talk to you about the State of the Union. Uh, you know, we seem to be a nation truly divided in – we say that every, especially every four years for presidential elections. That's always a statement people throw out there. But I think it's true now. I mean, I, mean, I really see uh, a massive division. Uh, and do you think 2021 will offer any, any reprieve from that? Do you think it's going to get worse? I'd love to know what you think from a Catholic perspective. Because it's really like it's like a twofold division, right? Maybe threefold. Because one, you look politically. I mean, this is worse than two thousand, right? I mean, you had a lot of Democrats back in two thousand with the Bush Gore thing, mm. very upset, um, feeling that the election was stolen from them. Um, and it was really back then. It was just one county. I think it was Dade County in Florida or something like that. But now you have with Republicans, Trump people who voted for Trump. You have several counties, several precincts, several states where people feel like we're living in Russia, that the election was predetermined, right? Um, we went out to vote, and we felt like the election was already, you know, predetermined before, you know, ballots were cast. So you have that issue. So it's worse than 2000 in essence politically. But also in, on, in regards to the morality, the, the morality of the country, where the country is headed morally, mm. you see a, a great divide there. You've seen, you know, Nancy Pelosi come out over the weekend talking about she's taking away, she's um, um, getting rid of getting rid of gender terms in the house. You know, we can't say mother, father, daughter, sister anymore. You know, we mm. have these gender neutral terms in the house. We've seen um, a representative come out with the, um, at the opening of the House of Representatives yesterday, um, Representative Cleaver. He was talking about how, um, well, he ended his prayer. You know, he had this monotheistic prayer. It, it was sort of remind mind you of when you, know, you and I were Freemasons back in the day, how there's just this general God, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, but he ends his prayer saying, amen. And then he says, hey, woman. <laughs> I saw that. Of, Gosh. Right. 
as of man, like man is a gender, right? right. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's just this, it's just this weird thing that's going on. So I mean, I, th- I think there's, I mean, I think I was, you know, well, I think I think what's going on. We're back in 2008, right? We have a different pope now. We don't have Benedict like we used to, but I think Catholics are back in 2008 now, where Obama came, or maybe 2012 for those who thought Obama was going to be, you know, moderate. So we're back in 2012 when it's, we're just we're just fighting and we're um, and we're we're on fire and we're just yeah. we're doing our best to um, uh, proclaim the faith and defend the faith in the public square and in uh, the political space. You know, 2021, there were so many things that happened that I didn't see coming, and um, I was kind of I guess caught off guard a little bit. I always find myself to be more naive than I ought to be. And, uh, you know, when the, when the pandemic started, I thought 15 days, it'll all be over. I, I wasn't even happy about the 15 days, to be honest. I think I complained a lot about that, even on air. Uh, and then, then, of course, we're still in the 15 days to slow the spread, right? Uh, <laughs> and now, like, uh, I just I read an article uh, in the last segment about a New York assemblyman who is trying to propose a piece of legislation that would give powers to the state government to physically detain people that they deem are reasonably contagious enough or will be at some point uh, t- and could harm others just through contagion alone. That is very, very draconian. That is seems very much in line with, with communist CCP tactics. Um, yeah. Were you surprised? This seeing, I mean, like that's an actual piece of legislation being discussed. That's not just some, uh, you know, uh, bombastic talk from some politician. There's actually a bill that's going to get voted on for that. I, I, did you see any of that coming in America in twenty twenty twenty? I thought you know. I think some of us may have thought that you know we may have been headed that way and a lot sometimes you see these these things that seem to be fringe but whether they get passed or not you know it's sort of like a lie it's out there now and now people can start debating a lie they can start talking about it maybe come up reasons maybe if we keep talking about this it sounds reasonable after a while and i think that's the, the intent of these things maybe not to initially pass them but to get people talking about them and start writing papers you know doing you know have a whole conversation classes on this you know talk about it in school so and i remember remember i don't know if you guys would like this joe and emily but remember a lot of people were talking about yeah after the election this whole corona thing is going to be over <laughs> but it's not it's not it's not going anywhere right no, of course not yeah, and the, the the nation has just progressed so quickly. When we went from a point where we were talking about the issue of legalizing same-sex unions and calling them marriage to the point where now transgender advocates are calling to put all children on puberty blockers until until they can decide what their gender is. Like the moral downfall of this country has just sped up so quickly. And uh David, what do you think Catholics can do to prevent this like do you think we're speaking up enough? Do we need to speak up more? What, what are the bishops doing enough? What's your opinion? Yeah, my, my central opinion is that I think we use too much language of the world to speak about, um, you know, divine issues, right? I think I think we're, we're caught up in how the world speaks about things. We don't really echo what the church has taught about these things for 2,000 years. I think we really have to go back in speaking about sin versus virtue and just call things what they are. David, I need you to hold that thought. That music means we're going to go to break. We're going to come back and we'll continue our conversation with David L. Gray, author and theologian and uh, YouTuber. You can just find him on David L. Gray. Just go to YouTube, search for that. We'll post a link to it as well. But more of that conversation is coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. 
Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism, or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's M-A-G-I-S center.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Talking with David L. Gray. You can find his website at davidlgray.info. But uh, check out his YouTube channel, too. to search for David L. Gray on YouTube and make sure you like and subscribe there as well. Talking about the State of the Union and hopefully there's a, a silver lining somewhere in 2021 anyway. But uh, a lot of difficulty still on the plate. But one of the other things, David, that I wanted to bring up was the, the, the virtue signaling that became like just so uh, insane in 2020. Um, it could have been about racism. It could have been about mask wearing. It could have been about all kinds of things. But it became to the it's to the point where uh, people are result are going to violence. They're going to public shaming. They're doing they're doing some pretty dirty deeds in the name of virtue signaling. Uh, did that surprise you at all? It surprised me that people call behavior that doesn't have any virtue virtual signaling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird word, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it, it surprised me. You know, the behavior of, of, of children never surprised you. I think people, we just have a lot of adult children who don't, they don't use reason, they don't use logic, but the first thing they jump to is just emotion, mm. right? And, and this guy's, you know, even with, even with the, the, these charges of racism, you kept hearing it all last year, racism, 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 but they were talking about the emotion of racism. They weren't talking about the sin of racism, what the you know, Catholic Church calls, you know, a sin. This objective is verifiable. And um, but you know they, they, we just want to throw these Molotov cocktail bombs and just wherever they land, they land. Whoever they hurt, they hurt. And we don't just reason and think things think things through anymore. David L. Gray, um, from a Catholic perspective, twenty twenty one. We don't know how. I mean, January sixth. That's like uh, two days from now. I'm looking at my my watch, which I don't actually have. But two days from now is this big January sixth uh, date where. This election becomes a whole, either a whole lot more contentious <laughs> or, you know, uh, Biden is confirmed and he becomes the next president. Right. Um, Catholics are very divided on this issue. How do you see this uh, from a Catholic perspective? What ought we be thinking, doing, saying uh, with friends, family, loved ones about the election issue in, in itself? 
Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately the will of God is going to be done, right? As on earth, as it is in heaven, right? I mean, that's what's going to be done. And whatever God allows, um, he allows, and we still have to continue to be who we are called to be. Um, so um, if that means that, you know, he is confirmed, um, like I said, we go back to how it was kind of like in 2012, right? We, we, we have to even fight more ardently and, um, you know, the, the struggle continues. I was looking at some videos um, from, we were talking about, about the 2000, the 2000 election with Bush and Gore. I was looking at some videos looking at, at the inauguration, how, can, uh, you know, people were out there parading, they were throwing eggs at, at Bush's limousine as it's going by. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah, it was, um, so, you know, January 6th is going to be interesting, right? <laughs> it's I'm going to be tuned in, so we'll see. <laughs> it ought to be very interesting. And I, one of the things I think is uh, very interesting was uh, there has been clear uh, voter fraud that has occurred. The question is, has it occurred at such a level that could swing the election one way or the other? I don't pre- pretend to have the answer to that, but I think it's I think it's naive or um, – I don't know. It seems crazy that we would just pretend as though nothing has happened. Something right. has happened. I think right. we can say right. that. The question right. becomes at what level and should we actually investigate that? Because even if, if Donald Trump should not become the next uh, president for the next four years, don't, don't we all, as Catholics, wouldn't we want it to be fair and have integrity? Wouldn't we want it to always be a fair election no matter what so that the voice of the people are in fact heard? I mean, wouldn't we want that by default? Uh, yeah. should, or should, or, are we never allowed to question anything ever, anytime at all? That seems yeah, I mean, like I mean, that's part of the virtue signaling thing that I was referring to earlier. It's like yeah. the, if you were to question the results, uh, Facebook, Twitter, thinking of you, plus all, everybody, everybody who's the friends on Facebook and Twitter, it's like then all of a sudden you're the worst human being ever since Nero. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I said, who wants to live in Russia? I mean, who wants to live right. in a country where elections are predetermined? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, something, something, something happened, and it's like every all these anomalies, all all these all these instances of, of potential fraud or whatever, they all seem to favor one person. That that's odd in itself, and so it, it has to be investigated, it has to be adjudicated. But obviously, the Supreme Court has decided they don't they don't want to go back to two thousand. They want they don't want to determine the election. All these lower courts that seem to have given them cover, um, the state legislators they don't want to make a decision here, so it's, it's it's really tough. I don't I don't I don't know, I don't know how we fix this. Now, so the Daily Wire put out a video recently where they asked people on the street, liberal you know leftists on the street, um, whether they would compromise on certain issues. And initially they said yes, but after talking about it, every single one of them said no. And so we see that the left is not willing to compromise on many of these issues, such as abortion, environmental issues, stuff like that. Um, so how do you think there's any way to be unified with them? Or is this d- division? Should we just accept the division in our country and uh, fight for our, si- our side stronger? Or should we still try to compromise with the left who is so unwilling to compromise with us? Yeah, I think when we look when we look at the left, when we see we see their agenda. Right. When we see Biden's first thing Biden said he's going to do in office is, you know, push the whole transgender thing and allow boys to use girls bathrooms. So we, we know who these people are. We know where they're at. We know whose side they're on. And we can't compromise with sin. And, and so I think because of that, it's going to get worse in, 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 in as far as, you know, the moral the moral climate of this country and where we're headed. So there's, that, that division is always going to be there, right, Emily? Mm-hmm. That's right. Adrian, did you have a question? Yeah. So I was wondering, the when we were talking about, I was listening to Father Dave Nix, and he was talking about how 
the communist, what they try to do is it's not so much that they try to make you believe a lie. Instead, they want you to recognize that, that it is a lie, but to be too afraid to say anything and to pretend that it's not a lie, even though you recognize that it is a lie because it destroys your will and was and for and prevents you from ever doing anything. Uh, what are your comments? What do you think about that? Hey, Adrian. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that's obviously that's exactly right. And that is this whole deconstruction of society that's going on. And we see this with the whole defund the police movement as well. And and is what what they're, what they're trying to do there is really just break down um, the structure of society and what holds it together, so that something else can move in and take its place. So they're really just creating a vacuum of all these things with but creating the distrust in the election system. And I'm that way as well. I mean, I don't, you know, I live in Illinois, so my vote doesn't really count as much anyway. <laughs> but, I, but I feel like, you know, why should I even effort, right? Why should I mm-hmm. even try? And so it's this, you know, and so it's this, this deep, um, deconstruction of society and institutions that we're supposed to trust, they just want to eliminate all those and, and really create a vacuum for something else, communism, socialism, socialism, then communism to move in this place. We're talking with David L. Gray. He's a popular uh, YouTube uh, Catholic author and theologian. We're talking about the State of the Union, a, a nation divided. Uh, we have about, uh, I guess, four and a half minutes remaining in our conversation with you, David. And let's turn to 2021 from a Catholic perspective. In a little few minutes back, you said we still have to focus on the mission. And it, that's another one of the issues that I think we have as a Catholic body, yeah, putting politics to the side for a moment. It seems like we have forgotten our mission is to evangelize the world, to, to make disciples of all people. Do you think, do you, do you agree with that, first of all? Second of all, do you think that it's possible for us to get back to uh, sort of a missionary mindset versus a go-along to get-along is the way I would describe it? What say you, David O'Gray? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I think, I think it really has to come from the laity I think we haven't really seen much um, support from at least all the bishops as, as a body at this point in time, right? They haven't, you know, they put a lot of good papers, they make some good statements here and there, mm. but we haven't really seen a cohesive plan, a mission, you know, you're a military guy, we haven't really seen that mission and that strategy really come down how to move forward. So I, I have really a lot of hope for a lot of um, um, lay movements, Guadalupe Radio Network, right? Um, and Station of the Cross, really praise God. <laughs> on the forefront, really um, keeping people um, on task and on mission to promote the mass, to bring people to Christ, to point people to Christ, and um, do everything that Christ has called us to do. You know, uh, you also mentioned in the beginning of our conversation that you and I both used to be a part of the Freemasons, and um, you were you were more involved than I was, so I feel better about that. Just to, to be honest with you, <laughs> you were much higher up the chain of command than I was. But uh, my, you know, I, I I was a third degree in the Blue Lodge, and you were you Scottish right thirty second degree? I can't recall. Yeah, I was. I was. So you were way up there, like. Uh, <laughs> You're part of the master plan. I'm just teasing. But uh, no, we should do that again. We should have that conversation again because I thought it was very uh, insightful. I think m- many Catholics today uh, don't understand the Freemasons. They don't understand yeah. you know, what the church could have I- I- by way of an issue with the Freemasons. And we're not going to do that in the next two minutes that we have left in our show. <laughs> but I wanted to bring it up because it seems like uh, a lot of the goals for Freemasons have become have been achieved in modern society. Yeah. 
<laughs> the free the Freemasons have won in in a sense. I mean, everything they set out they set out to do in the eighteen hundreds. I mean, it's it's done. They wanted to take education out of the hands of the Catholic Church. They they've done that. We have public education now. They wanted to take marriage who who's married who's not married out of the hands of the Catholic Church. And you know, most governments throughout the country and throughout the world that that's the case. I mean, they just wanted to, to take everything out of the hands of the Catholic Church, even who gets to be a priest and a bishop. You know, that was one of their plans as well. We mm-hmm. see that in some places. And so, um, and so the free base, I mean, they're, I mean, I, 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 just like I used to give Obama kudos. He, everything Obama said he's going to do, he did. I mean, you have to, you have to, you know, give him a clap for that. It was evil, demonic, but a, a plan well executed and accomplished. Well, so we have lots of problems in 2021 that we don't have easy solutions for. Uh, one minute left to go. Can you give us any silver lining? No. <laughs> the lady. He said the lady. Remember? Pray, hope, and fast. That's what Our Lady said in 1917 to the shepherd children. And with that, we're going to leave it with David L. Gray. We'll have you back, David. We, I love to chat with you. David L. Gray, author, theologian, and uh, you can find him over at davidlgray.info, or you can find him on YouTube. Just search for David L. Gray, and make sure you like and subscribe while you're there. But David L. Gray, thanks for being on with us today. Peace. All right. God bless you. God love you. That's going to do it for hour one. If at all possible, you're able to join us in the next hour. We'd love to have you. We'll have uh, more breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus the Catholic Trivia Game Show and prizes are involved. And you don't even need to know the answers to those questions. Plus, we'll speak with Dave Denuso and his wife, Catherine, about uh, his near-death experience. Or he was that close to dying of COVID. It was pretty serious. And they'll share that story with us and how they coped. All of that coming up in the next hour of Catholic Drive Time. We hope you can join us. If not, God love you, God bless you, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive who are left shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 24, which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. Two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus' coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? 
Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. The good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the left behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you today. Uh, praise God. We just wrapped up a great hour last hour. Uh, David L. Gray was our guest in the last hour. If you'd like to get the podcast of that, a couple of ways you can do that. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT or go to our YouTube channel. And uh, Adrian, the producer, he's always really good about posting individual conversations, the hours. Plus, we do live video there as well. So plenty of ways just search for or go to youtube.com forward slash GRN online. And while you're there, make sure to like and subscribe. Hit the bell notification icon and share us with a friend. That would be super awesome of you. Thank you so much for that. But a great program this hour lined up. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Morning, Joe. It's good to have you back in the studio. Praise God. It's good to be alive and back in the studio. Uh, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos this morning. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God. I'm alive. And that counts. It is much better to have you in the studio. Studio. Much less spinning plates for me. <laughs> Fewer spinning plates. Well, you managed the process very well last week, so congratulations. Thank you for doing that. You're very welcome. Um, this hour, we will have the Catholic Trivia Game Show, plus we have, I think, the coolest prize ever to date. For it, It's a mega prize, It's Joe. a mega prize. Mm-hmm. Six prizes in one. So this week is huge by prize. Huge. So you're going to want to call in for this one. Yeah. So if you want to call in to win this mega prize, the number is 877-757-9424. Now, we, we're, we're not ready to take the call, but write the number down, and when we, we tell you it's time, boy, jump all over it, because... You'll get three chances to get into the drawing for this week's mega prize. It's how much is the value of it? One hundred and fifty dollars. One hundred and fifty dollars. I'll reveal the prize wow. when we start the game show. But that's amazing. We'll okay, get there. so that's coming up this hour. Plus, uh, we'll be speaking with uh, Dave and Catherine Denuso uh, about their COVID experience. Now, Dave was very sick. He's an old friend of mine. True manhood uh, is his YouTube channel. Uh, True manhood. I, I've known Dave for years now. 
a great guy. And then when I saw that he was in the hospital, I was like, oh, really? Wow, this is very serious. And then he put out this video, and it was just heart-wrenching to listen to him talk. So he's going to share his COVID experience, and his wife will be joining us as well later in the hour. So that's going to be uh, an uplifting and inspirational conversation with Dave and Catherine Denuso. Plus, more breaking news, Saints of the Day, Gospel of the Day, all of that coming up in this hour. It's going to be a great show. Uh, let's begin with prayer. So whatever your intentions are for your family, for your friends, uh, for your needs, maybe they're material or physical or even spiritual needs, we want to include those. I'm praying for each and every one of us, our our team here, our equipment, our show, uh, that everything goes really well. Our radio apostle at Across the Guadalupe Radio Network for the success of the car raffle that we're launching today. So we're going to give somebody a Mercedes Benz. And uh, that the big show is coming up in the next hour. So we're praying for the success of that. We hope you'll tune in for it as well. But I want to include all of my family prayers as well into this. So let's ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Nancy Pelosi has been narrowly re-elected as Speaker of the House. A new Congress took office amid political uncertainty, with Senate control undecided and a Republican fight looming over presidential election results. The Senate remains Republican-run ahead of twin elections in Georgia tomorrow on Tuesday. A Republican win of one or both Georgia Senate seats up for election would cement the Republican majority led by Mitch McConnell. A double Democratic win in Georgia would produce a 50-50 Senate where Democratic Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would hold the tie-breaking if she is sworn in on January 20th. Large numbers of healthcare and frontline workers are refusing to get the coronavirus vaccine. In Ohio, 60% of nursing home employees decided not to take the COVID vaccine. Last week, Governor Mike DeWine reacted to the low participation numbers by saying, quote, we aren't going to make them, but we wish they had a higher compliance, end quote. He added that he was troubled by how many nursing home workers rejected the vaccine. Dr. Joseph Varen, chief of staff at United Memorial Medical Center in Houston, is frustrated that over half of the nurses in his unit will refuse to get the vaccine. In California, an estimated 50% of frontline workers in Riverside County turned down the COVID-19 vaccine as well. Public health director Kim Sarawadari reported this to the Los Angeles Times. Specific reasons for the widespread refusal are still unclear. Pope Francis has accepted the resignation of the Archbishop who was exiled from Belarus. On January 3rd, the Holy See announced that Archbishop Tadeusz Kondrusevich had requested his resignation on his 75th birthday, as is traditional according to church canon. The Archbishop was exiled from his home country of Belarus after speaking out against the authoritarian government and praying outside of a prison where protesters were being held in August. On the day the Archbishop was allowed to return to his home country, December 25th, he said in a homily, The the challenges of the coronavirus pandemic and the socio-political crisis call us to return to true religiosity, which shows that we are created for something more than just caring for earthly affairs and pleasures. 
The Catholic bishop who was kidnapped in Nigeria has been released. Bishop Moses Chikwe and his driver, Ndubuisi Robert, were both released five days after being kidnapped by unidentified gunmen. Bishop Chikwe is the auxiliary bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Owuri, and he received his Ph.D. in education from UCLA. Bishop Chikwe's abduction is the latest in a series of kidnappings that have targeted clergy and seminarians in Nigeria, although he is the first bishop to have been captured. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the news for us. Uh, St. Angela of Foligno, pray for us. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Joe, come on. It's uh, St. Catherine... Um, Elizabeth. Or forgive me, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, another, you know, huge saint. Yes, it's true. It is the feast day of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Yes, you know, wonderful story. Convert to the faith. She was uh, left as a widow with five children, almost penniless, and she began a, a school that she ran almost like a religious community. That's true. It's wonderful. It's fascinating, uh, and praise God for it. But I like to tell the stories of saints you probably haven't heard of. Uh, and St. Angela of Fligno is one of those. And she was the mistress of theologians, as uh, she is also known. She was born to wealthy non-Christian family, but she married young and was the mother of several children. Now, she lived a, a wild life. She, uh, you know, partied a lot, adulterous, sacrilegious life, you know. But she had a, a private revelation in 1285 that led her to convert and to amend her life. She suffered quite a bit when uh, her mother, husband, and her children all passed away. She left. Uh, she was left to turn to God and to give the rest of her life over to prayer and to penance. In fact, she became a third order Franciscan, and she would lead others in a, in a and lead a whole group of third order Franciscans. She was noted for her charity, her patience, her humility. She was a visionary, a mystic, and a mystical writer, and she lived the rest of her days as a model. Uh, virtuously for the rest of us. She died on January the 4th, 1309 in Foligno, Italy, of natural causes. She was beatified in 1693 by Pope Innocent XII and was canonized on October the 9th, 2013 by Pope Francis. St. Angela of Foligno, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness, have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen." From that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. His fame spread to all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick with various diseases and racked with pain, those who were possessed, lunatics and paralytics, and he cured them all. And great crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and all things. Uh, several things come to me in this particular passage. One, uh, it was when, G- when is John is arrested that Jesus kicks up the ministry a notch, so to speak. You know, remember John's words, I must decrease and he must increase. Sending his own disciples to Jesus to be confirmed, right? To, to confirm that he is, in fact, the Messiah. So, we see a, a sort of a John completing his task, making the Messiah known, like making the way straight, preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, it was announced before things really heated up. That has been done, and now Jesus is ready. And it's interesting that he goes to Capernaum. Capernaum in the north, that is a city that saddles two worlds. There's the Jewish world, and then there's the Gentile world. The, Je- the Galilee of the Gentiles and the Galilee of, the, of Israel. Now, it's fascinating because he brings to these Gentiles, and in one respect, he's speaking to the lost ten tribes of Israel. You might remember, uh, you know, the great wise Solomon, as Adrian would say, uh, he was so wise that when his son took over, he was even far greedier than his father was, and he broke the, 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 the kingdom up, and the ten tribes to the north went their own way under Jeroboam, and the two, actually it was more than two, because you had Benjamin, you had Levites, but anyway, the, the two tribes in the south went under Rehoboam. Well, the ten in the north began to worship idols. And they were carried off by Assyria. Well, Jesus is still speaking to those people. They're just now been consumed into the Gentile world. And so he's bringing this light into this darkness that to us, to me and to you, he is trying to bring us into the family of God, reconstituting the 12 tribes of Israel and bringing about the new Israel, which would be in the Catholic Church. It's beautiful. And I really love the use of light and darkness. I immediately thought of Our Lady of Guadalupe at 15 and the light of Christ coming to a dark world where they were murdering hundreds of thousands of human beings on their altars and, uh, and many other great atrocities were happening. And so many millions were converted shortly after 1531. It's a beautiful thing that Christ would come to preach uh, the conversion of us all, to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So a beautiful idea here. Adrian, uh, what say you? Well, for one, I'm going to avoid the bait of talking about King Solomon. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for the scripture passage, there's so many things uh, to talk about here. Uh, Last time, uh, the last hour, I talked about the nets being thrown down and uh, how the nets are a symbol of the world being taken over, being caught in the net of the world. And to lay down their nets and follow Christ is something amazing that happens in the verse before and verse 22. Uh, But I also want to talk about here instead about the miracles that our Lord uh, did here and like I think it's verse 24 and here he talks about he does these miracles and the thing about these miracles as distinct from all the other miracles that our Lord performs is that here he doesn't require faith whenever he does these miracles. Why does he not require faith for these miracles? Because he has yet to prove himself to be the Messiah. And then, but once he does, once he starts performing the miracles, that's whenever we start seeing that our Lord does not perform miracles except um, by the faith of the people who are uh, present there, which mm-hmm. is why he, whenever he goes home, he does no miracles there because the people are start saying, is this not the son of Mary and Joseph? Uh, so we see that, that the faith, requirement of faith is on us uh, today because we have been witnesses to the truth of the of the Catholic Church. You know, and there, I was reading one commentary, and it was talking about how yes, he, they brought the sick, the lame, the blind, the dumb, the paralytics. They brought them all, and Jesus had compassion. 
and he had pity and mercy upon them, and he healed them. That's true. But it's not what he came to preach. He came to preach repentance because the kingdom of God is at hand. And I think it, it's to speak to something you just said, Adrian, you know, it's one thing to have these material needs met by our Lord. It's quite another to give that fiat and to, and to accept the greater gift that he has for us, which is eternity in the beatific vision. And he has such mercy upon us that he would bring lightness, light to our darkness is what I want to say. Absolutely. Uh, I think definitely that's very important. And we are about to go to break and uh, we are looking for a guest for our game show today. That's 877-757-9424. Joe? Yeah, so no calls on the line. Praise be to Jesus. But now is the time to call because in the next segment is our game show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we teach the faith. It's very. We have a very slick agenda here. We want to teach a little bit about the faith, have fun doing it, and give away. And this week, it's going to be a mega prize. So if you want to be our contestant and get a chance to win a mega prize, you don't even need to know the answers. Just call 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We're going to have fun. Call us. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, your chance to uh, win some big prizes while at the same time also learning a little bit about your faith and having a laugh at it as well. So, uh, I'm Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you this morning. And praise God, we love Fear and Trembling. It's a fun time. So here's how this works. I have three questions in my hand, and uh, I will not be asking the caller these questions. Nope. I will be asking Emily and Adrian these questions, and one of them will have a right answer, and one of them will have a wrong answer. Both have theological degrees, so this should be fairly easy for, for both. And still, the caller, all they will have to do in 15 seconds or less is decide, do they want to go with Emily? Do they want to go with Adrian? It's a 50-50 shot. Every right answer, though, gets into the coffee cup of divine providence to win what we're calling a mega prize this week. And we do the drawing on Tell Friday. them what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor is called The Little Catholic Box. So you've heard of subscription boxes. This is that kind of thing. So they compile lots of items from different Catholic vendors into a subscription box, which they will send you every three months. Or you can buy an individual box. So this wow. week, they're giving away their prayer space box. And the prayer space box compl- contains a prayer space rosary from Small Things Great Love, an icon also by the same ministry, a chrism-scented candle, a sacred heart bowl, a Marian print uh, by Full of Grace USA, and a holy water bottle. So all of these items come in your prayer space box from the Little Catholic Box. That's amazing. What's the value on this? The value on this box is $149. So $149. That's like $150 deal. <laughs> Like, that's pretty impressive. It's going to be a great price. So if you have someone in your life who you think would appreciate this gift, you're going to want to call in this week. What's the website to the sponsor? The website is thelittlecatholicbox.com. Just spell it all out. And they also have a Facebook and an Instagram page. So Let's just give a little round of applause. Thank you very much for sponsoring us this week. Thank you. Thank you. Great prize. All right. That's huge. Praise be to Jesus Christ for that. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Michael's calling in this morning. Good morning, Michael. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Michael, good morning to you. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here. You're breaking up, uh, Michael. Uh, I'll give you one more shot at this. Michael, if you can hear me, let us know where you're from. San Antonio, Texas. Hey, good morning. That sounds like a lot clearer. Praise God. and uh, Thank you for calling in from San Antonio, Texas this morning uh, and being a part of our game show and possibly winning, winning this very cool prize. Do you understand the rules? Do you understand how this works? Yes, I do. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. You, you sound very confident and ready to go. So, uh, Chomping at the bit, raring to go. I like that. Emily, we'll start with you as usual. Are you ready? All righty. Yep. Are Let's you do ready? It. Let's do it. Yeah. Are you sure? Absolutely. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Okay, here we go. This one should be a fairly easy one. We've all seen this before. Every parish in the world probably has this. Are you ready? Ready. What do the letters I-N-R-I stand for but in english so this is the 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 sort of plaque that you'll see over the crucifix i n r i although in my head i just kind of read inri every time i read it uh so the i is going to be yesus so yesus nazarens i I can't pronounce the uh non-english pronunciation but it's going to be jesus the nazarene or jesus from nazareth rex judaeorum which is king of the jews Wow. So Very, very specific. Yeah. Jesus, the Nazarene, king of the Jews. Are you sure? Yes. All right. That sounds very confident. Uh, Michael, wow, that was confident. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Uh, Adrian, 
Uh, what do the letters I-N-R-I stand for in English? Well, I know Pilate says that he said uh, that he wrote on there, Behold the King of the Jews. So I'm going to say it stands for, uh, it means Behold the King of the Jews. Yeah. Behold the King of the Jews. Are you sure? What I have said, I have said. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, good sir. Touche. Okay. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, who's right? Who's wrong? Michael, what say you? Oh, you're breaking Uh-oh. up on me, Michael. You're breaking up. Not now, Michael. Do you like Hang Emily? On. Do you like Adrian? I, I need an answer. Can you give us Emily or Adrian? Emily. I'll go with Emily. Survey says... There yeah, we go. There good we go. choice, Michael. Uh, through the, uh, the the Russell reception issue, we still got a solid answer, so praise God for that. So you're already in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence, our first entry for the week of our beautiful mega prize. And one more time, Emily, who is the sponsor? What's their website? TheLittleCatholicBox.com is giving away the prayer space box. TheLittleCatholicBox.com. Okay. Second option here, second opportunity of uh, the LittleCatholicBox.com prize. We'll go to Adrian. Now, this one could be a little trickier. Could be, possibly. We'll see how it goes. Adrian, what feast is celebrated on September the 14th commemorating the recovery of a portion of Christ's cross? All righty. So, liturgical questions. I love liturgical questions. (laughs) The answer is uh, the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Or, Or, you could also call it the triumph of the Holy Cross. They're both valid answers. Both are valid answers. Okay. Exaltation or triumph of the cross. Emily, uh, what feast is celebrated on September the 14th commemorating the recovery of a portion of Christ's cross? So we do commemorate the the cross on that day, but I think that I recall that being the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. So, because of her participation in the crucifixion. So, I'm going to go with Our Lady of Sorrows. Our Lady of Sorrows. So, Emily is on the board for Our Lady of Sorrows. And Adrian is on the board for the triumph or exaltation of the cross. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michael, what say you? Oh, here we we got the reception coming up. <laughs> the devil is messing with our reception. One more time, Michael. Who's right? Who's wrong? He said, I, I heard, yo, Adrian. That's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> Survey says, yo, there we go. Adrian. Ah, two for two. Congratulations, Michael. Hanging on there through all the reception. I love it. Praise be to Jesus. <laughs> it's like a, the truth is like an uppercut. Anyway. Uh, yo, Adrian. Okay. All right. Third question. Back to you, Emily. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Here mm-hmm. we go. Oh, this one? I don't know. We'll see here. What is the term for the list of books which Catholics were forbidden to possess, to read, or sell under penalty of excommunication. Oh, okay. Now, this is called the Index of Forbidden or Prohibited Books. Um, I'm not sure when they did away with it. I don't think we have it anymore. Uh, Maybe we do, but in any case, we should have it. (laughs) So your your answer is the Index of Prohibited Books. That's right, yes. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Adrian... What is the term for the list of books which Catholics were forbidden to possess, to read, or sell under penalty of excommunication? Huh, that is, that is a difficult question. The, I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, there are forbidden books. There, hmm, I'm going to say illegal books. Illegal books. Yeah, because, you know, the secular state had it, so they could make it illegal. 
So, you know, that's that's what I'm going with. Illegal books. That's a confusing answer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Adrian is on the hook for illegal books. And Emily is on the hook for index of prohibited books. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michael, what say you? Oh, what was that? What was that? I've got static. Michael, Michael, hang in there. Michael, I can, I can guess. He said Emily. He said Emily. <laughs> Survey says. Yeah, oh, you made it. You made it, Michael. I, I don't know how he got that one. I got it to his, Adrian. Hey, I, you're making it so hard for the listeners. This is difficult. Michael, congratulations. You got three opportunities. Three Perfect score three. in the coffee cup of divine providence. Hopefully, uh, maybe if it's God's will, he'll pull your name out of the cup on Friday. Congratulations to you, Michael. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he doesn't go Have off the line one, hopefully Michael. we're able to talk we're, to him we're going to put you on hold Michael so don't go anywhere because we're going to need to get your information in the event that you might be the winner but real quick before we do that Adrian let's give a, a little apologetic here why in the world would the Catholic Church uh, have a list of books that would prohibit Catholics from possessing, mm-hmm. reading, or selling on pain of excommunication. It seems rather crazy. Why would we do that? Yeah, it's very important, actually, because knowledge is power. And so we see that having this information is very dangerous if it's not put in the right hands. This is why that in uh, seminary studies, you would start with philosophy, then move to theology, and then study sacred scripture, because you're supposed to read scripture through the eyes of the church. And so if you're taking on these books that are having uh, heretical beliefs in it, you might lead someone into heresy. And the primary goal of the church is the salvation of souls. And so if you have these ideas that are floating around that you're taking on, you don't want to uh, imbibe them and, turn, and, and make them into your, into your ideas. Otherwise, you may be lost, and we don't. Wow. And that's what we don't want. You know an and awful then, lot for getting the question wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, we got Michael on hold there. We're very grateful to you for playing the game today. Tomorrow morning, we'll have another opportunity in the 7 o'clock hour to win the mega prize this week. We're very excited about that, so thank you to our sponsor. One more time, Emily, on the website. TheLittleCatholicBox.com. All right, Check them out. Do, dot com. You got you have that uh, north that Midwest uh, accent. Chicago, there. yeah. Chicago. All right, don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time will be back next with breaking news and stories and our guest segment all coming up next. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? 
If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Monday morning headlines. A New York Democrat has introduced a bill that would allow the detainment of contagious individuals. New York's Libertarian Party is speaking out against new legislation that would vastly expand the power of the state's governor, permitting the detainment of individuals deemed to pose an imminent and significant threat to the public health by being a suspected case, suspected, contact or carrier of a contagious disease. The bill goes on to call for the detention of such individuals in a medical facility or other appropriate facility or premises designated by the governor until the governor determines the person is no longer a contagious threat. Cody Anderson, chairman of the New York Libertarian Party, denounced the bill as offering a clear and direct path to unconstitutional and indefinite detainment. The Washington Post released a recorded phone call of President Donald Trump to the Georgia Secretary of State. The president presented Ben Raffensperger with data claiming the final vote count was off by hundreds of thousands of ballots. The president said, quote, We have won this election in Georgia based on all of this, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, end quote. Raffensperger has denied these claims, although the president asked him to reconsider. The president's critics are suggesting that this could be a criminal offense. A bishop from the underground Chinese Catholic Church has died. According to the Catholic outlet Asia News, Bishop Andre Han Jingtao, who was the underground bishop of Saiping, died at the age of 99. After Mao Zedong took power, the late bishop was sent to a concentration camp where he was imprisoned for 27 years from 53 to 1980 for refusing to participate in the communist government's independent church. After being put under strict house surveillance in 1997, he continued to tend his flock under constant threat, convening secret gatherings and encouraging the laity to remain steadfast in faith and charity. According to recent statistics provided by Asian News, his diocese includes some 30,000 Catholics, two-thirds of which belong to the underground church. It has 20 priests and more than 100 nuns. Pope Francis was unable to attend this weekend's liturgies due to his painful sciatica. Pope Francis has suffered from sciatica for a number of years. He spoke about it during an in-flight press conference returning from a trip in Brazil in 2013. Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the Secretary of State, offered the Mass in St. Peter's Basilica in the Holy Father's place. The Holy Father was still able to recite the Angelus on January 1st, the Vatican Statement said. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thank you, Emily, for doing that. By the way, if you're looking for the podcast version of our website, uh, or, or of our show today, uh, I would encourage you to go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. 
You can find the podcast, the audio <laughs> podcast there. But we also post all of our content on our YouTube channel as well. The live videos there, the individual conversations are there, plus individual hours. All that is there. Just go to youtube.com forward slash GRN online. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, hit the bell notification. It would really be helpful to us. So God love you and God bless you for that. But joining us right now uh, via Zoom chat is uh, Dave and Catherine Denuso. Dave's an old friend of mine. Uh, great guy. He's got a wonderful ministry called truemanhood.com. You should check out his YouTube channel, True Manhood, to search for it and make sure you su- subscribe to that as well. But uh, Dave, I caught a vi- uh, a post from his wife a couple weeks back that said he was in the hospital. I'm like, what? I didn't even know. And apparently it was very serious. So I invited Dave to be on the show, especially after watching his own video talk about this, uh, to share with us his experience or their experience of suffering through COVID that was very, very serious. So with that, Dave and Catherine, thank you for being a part of our program today. Thank you for having us, Joe, and good to be on. Thank you for having my wife with us as well. She has a unique experience as we battled this uh, crazy situation with COVID. And yeah, so thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's good to be. Uh, it's good to be finally seeing you, and uh, I'm glad you're recovering. Praise be to God for that. Um, so let's talk. Let's let's set the stage here. When did you get COVID, and when did you know it was not good? So around November twentieth. I knew I was sick, um, having a lot of symptoms, started experiencing um, shivers, fever, uh, headache, and I knew I had it. So November 20th was the day. I then basically got in bed and I didn't eat. My symptoms progressed. They got worse. Uh, That day as well, my children, uh, three of my four children, as well as my wife, were starting to come down with some symptoms as well. And that day, I begged God in prayer that if my family was going to be sick, that he would give it all to me Mm. and that he would let my children and my wife be freed from this. Miraculously that day, they were no longer sick. They had no symptoms on Sunday. Wow. And continued to take a downward, uh, (laughs) downward spiral. Yeah. And I wanted to add for all the, the women out there who might have been in my shoes. Um, I wish that the beginning of our story was this beautiful, like we were united when he first got sick and we were getting along, you know, like everything was this prayerful, beautiful journey. But if anyone's been married, they know that it probably isn't always like that. (laughs) And so when Dave got sick on Friday and we all started getting headaches and we just had the congestion and the body aches. Mm -hmm. And on Saturday morning, he's like, Catherine, I'm going to offer this all up in prayer. And I want God to give me all of the everyone's suffering. I was like, yeah, you martyr, you. (laughs) I just kind of blew it off. Like, okay, yeah, sure. And and probably early in my faith journey, too, like, I didn't really, you know, I'd heard about saints doing that, but Mm. I don't know if I really believed it. And 
Yeah. If you know Dave, you know, true manhood, he's like, I'll take it for the family. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, whatever. And then really, we all got better. And Dave just kept getting worse. And wow. as this process went, I kept teasing my friends and saying, could he have just taken 25%? Like, <laughs> why would Dave take it all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I know what you're thinking. And if you're feeling it, it's funny, Dave, because, uh, as guys, as fathers, we're like, as husbands, we're like, nah, I want to be the, I want to be the wall that defends my family. I want to take it for my family and just save my family and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. And the wives are like, oh, so you're being silly, you silly little boy. Just, you know, <laughs> get in bed and, you know, let me take your temperature and stop fussing. Um, right. But, yeah. But I, it, this turned I, out to I, be uh, something more serious, right? Well, it did turn into something much more serious. So part of it was I, thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get slammed with this. Like I got this, I can, I can handle this. I never go to the doctor. Uh, I never get sick. I'm big and strong and tough. I can do this. I've got this. Dave's on the scene, everybody, (laughs) you know, I've got this under control, but progressively throughout the week. Um, and you have to excuse me because I'm still on oxygen and I lose my breath a little bit. No problem. Yeah, so throughout the week, I labored in bed. Um, I continued to get worse. I didn't eat. Um, I began losing weight very quickly. And my wife was fantastic throughout all of it. My children were great. Um, But by the end of the week, and this was Thanksgiving week, I was really torn. I didn't want to take up a bed. Mm. We live in a very small rural town. There's not a lot of beds. I didn't want to take up a bed. I didn't want to clog up the system. I didn't want to prevent maybe an elderly person or someone, someone just that's maybe not as healthy. I did not want to go in. And we had a pulse ox meter and the pulse ox needs to be in the you know mid nineties is ideal for the uh, saturation of your blood and oxygen. Mine was continually going down. And I couldn't get it up. I couldn't bring up the, the level. Mm. So, I, so eventually we decided it's time. I have to go in. Yeah. And I think it's important to know for those who are listening, who are really fear COVID, you know, Dave never had a cough, never was short of breath. There was no like outward signs of distress. He just couldn't keep his O2 out. And when we, fi- uh, when we finally took him to the doctors, I, I didn't even hug him goodbye because I was like, fine, wow. I'll put you in the emergency room. They'll give you some meds and you'll come home in a, in a couple of hours. Mm. Um, and so we never, even when we dropped him off at the emergency room, knew that when we dropped him off at the emergency room, the doctor told us if it had been another day, I probably would have woken up to him not alive in the bed. Like it would have been a very different story. They had already scheduled him for like they had reserved a ventilator for him pretty sure he was going to need a ventilator and I mean we were very naive to this when we dropped him off how sick he actually was yeah and praise god he never needed a ventilator but he was very sick when we dropped him off at the hospital so okay you're in the hospital it turns out to be much more serious than you originally anticipated what are you thinking now well so I don't actually know how bad I am they're not telling me. They're telling my wife. She is only able to communicate with them over the phone. Thankfully, I had my phone 
and Wi-Fi. So we could video chat, mm. but I was put on two separate breathing machines, one called a Vapotherm and one called a BiPAP. That technology saved my life. Wow. On the Vapotherm, I was on 40 liters a minute of oxygen. That's the highest that it goes. Right now, I'm on maybe one or two liters, whatever my machine's set at right now. Mm. Um, I was I mean, like a compressor, just forcing the air into my body because my lungs were not doing well at all. So I was in the hospital here locally for just about a week, um, eight, nine days. And eventually it got to the point where they had to transfer me to a city hospital a couple hours away. It, and at this point, Catherine knows a lot more. I, I'm oblivious. I'm thinking, you know, my, my blood pressure is 120 over 80. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I was up watching football on Sunday and <laughs> sitting in the chair and I had no idea how bad I was. Yeah, and I think some things, because it's really hard in Dave's story because his job was to breathe. He did a lot of breathing. That was his main thing, breathe and pray. And so he would, um, you know, during that time when he was in our local hospital, he would just call me and just sit and breathe on the phone because we forget about how isolated COVID was. Mm. You know, he couldn't talk because he had to breathe and that wears him out and he loads oxygen. And he would have like a good day and then he would, his numbers would crash really bad at night. And so there was like a bad morning and then maybe there'd be a little like, this might be good. But what kept happening was they would say, he's going to turn the corner in two days, two days. He turned the, a different corner. Okay. Well now he's had all this medication. It'll be, he'll turn the corner and he kept turning it the wrong way. Oh, wow. And it really got to the point where they didn't have where we were locally, the next option to help him. And so it, the, the hardest, I think one of a big point for us was when I thought he was doing well, he had a really good night one Sunday night. And I was telling my friends, like, I think we can, you know, drop down the updates. I think he's doing well. And in that phone call, I got a call from the doctor saying Dave's numbers are plummeting. Well, they're actually rising. His COVID numbers are rising. We don't have anything else. We have to send him to the city and we'll probably have to put him on a ventilator to send him to the city because of his oxygen need on the plane. So they were going to fly him. And so he said, if you want to see him awake, mm. you know, and in my mind, it was my last time to see him alive. I went there right away. So I pulled my kids out of school. We came and, you know, I'm, I called Dave. I'm like, Dave, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm going to get there before they put you on the ventilator and fly you to the city. And he's like, I had, no, I had no idea what I'm going to the city. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're going to put you down. They're going to put you on the ventilator soon. And he's like, can you give me a moment? And he just turned around and prayed and he's like, okay. And we got some friends together. And well, and really for me, most importantly was our priest came and um, he was able to give me absolution and he was able to uh, anoint me. And I fully believe in grace and I fully believe in the sacraments. So um, I want to make a point that throughout all of this, even when I end up in the city after the life flight and I'm in the COVID ICU, mm -hmm. I never experienced pain. I, I, 
I didn't have pain. I, I had trouble breathing, but these machines were, were helping me so much. But I never experienced pain, and I was at complete peace and had such a joy in this tiny amount of suffering. Mm. Um, I knew what I was going through. I didn't, I didn't know the extent, but I knew that it was a tiny sliver of what Christ has done for me. Um, I cried so much mm. in the hospital, but they were tears of joy. Um, Jesus allowed me to be so united to his sacred heart that the only pain I had one day, I, I called it chest pain in the hospital, but I don't think it was my chest. I think it was a uniting of my heart to the sacred heart. Wow. wow. And it was like right in my heart, just <laughs> one spot. They kept saying, what's it feel like? What's it feel like? I was like, <laughs> It's right there. <laughs> and exactly I said, it's one spot. And I think it was a piercing. Like Christ broke me down yeah. in a way that I needed so badly in my life. Mm. My whole life is devoted to the faith. I'm a theology teacher. I'm a deacon aspirant in our diocese. Um, if you saw our house, it's covered in religious art and sacramentals. I'm a daily masco or daily, you know, daily communicant, but I needed broken. I needed to be stripped of Dave mm -hmm. and full of Christ. And that for me, like, I'm so grateful that mm -hmm. I got sick because it's helped our marriage. We are so much closer. What Catherine had to go through was separate from what I had to go through, mm. what my children experienced. Um, yeah, just the blessings that have come from my COVID experience Amen. are so immense. I can't really, we, we don't fully know yet all the blessings. Mm. We had so many people behind us. The Universal Church made itself known to us so in such a real way, so vividly. Mm. We had priests offering masses all over the world. Um, just people, you know, the lady who's the cashier at the local grocery store, you know, it's just like, I was praying so hard for you, you know, in our community rally to get a rally around us. We live in one of the most Catholic places in the middle of nowhere ever. And, we're just we're just so blessed from this experience, and we're just grateful to be able to share it. We're talking with Dave and Catherine Denuso. Uh, Dave's website is TrueManhood.com. Go to his YouTube channel and uh, and check that out. You can search for that just by going to YouTube.com forward slash Dave Denuso SR for senior. Um, but uh, TrueManhood.com, check that out. We're talking about his COVID experience, and we have about I guess eight minutes left uh, before we have to say goodbye to Dave and Catherine. So at this stage, I remember watching this video on YouTube where Dave was in the hospital bed in his beautiful hospital gown, and 
And he was struggling, just struggling to speak, I and mean, even more than he is now. And I mean, it was just like heart wrenching to uh, to listen to 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 you. But at the same time, it was what you were saying. You were giving God praise. You were thanking Him, and just at peace. And I think that was very well communicated, and it was very inspiring to me personally. Uh, Catherine, as the wife, what were you thinking at this stage of the fair? Because it's pretty serious at that point. What's going through your mind? About seven minutes on the clock. Yeah, so the the background of this story makes that video about 500 times better yeah. because Dave couldn't talk. At this point, he had been in the hospital probably about two and a half, three weeks, and he hadn't really talked. I was actually starting to think there was maybe, you know, some COVID brain damage happening because he just wouldn't, he couldn't talk. So I had not heard his voice really other than a couple words, a small text here and there. Um, most of our videos were just me sitting with him, breathing in silence, updating him on the kids. He just did not talk. So then on Friday morning, I sit down to go to work and I get my phone's blowing up. I saw Dave. I saw Dave. You're so good to see Dave. He looks so great. I'm like, you saw Dave. Is he okay? I was so worried. I'm like, he talked. He's like, was it too much? Does his numbers drop? You know, very wifely. I'm like, oh, I'm so worried. And then I saw this video, and to me, it was what Lazarus would have said coming out of the tomb. Wow. Like, he had had all this time to pray. He had all this time to contemplate for Jesus to just be working in his heart. And, like, in his first moment where he had healed enough to talk, that's what he wanted the world to see. And that's the power of that video is, you know, that was his first you know, like, I'm out of the tomb. Like, I'm here. Let me tell you what this is. And so after I got over being so worried that his numbers were going to drop really bad from the video, then I was able to really appreciate it and watch. I mean, half the views are probably mine. Just crying. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me so much of the St. Paul's verse from Second Corinthians where he says, I delight in my weakness for when I am weak, then I am made strong. That's like exactly Paul's words coming from your mouth, Dave. So what a beautiful story. Yeah, Emily, yeah all of the verses that you can imagine <laughs> that talk about losing your life so you can gain it, running the race so you can win the victory, picking up your cross and following him, all of those types of things, they were running through my mind continually because that is what I experienced. And it was so incredible to experience the scripture in that way because I was totally out of control of anything. I am the type of guy, like like when I said, Lord, I'll take it. I got this. I got this. Don't worry about it. You know, like, let me take it from my family. I couldn't do anything for them. Mm. So now I have a family that's at home. My kids are in and out of school, like pulled, you know, pulled in and pulled out of class to, to know what's going on with daddy. Um, I can't put the trash on the street. <laughs> uh, I can't fill the gas tank up. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I'm just completely broken down. Mm. And like, I had to experience that because my pride, like, I'm the best at pride. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to my that. wife first, Dave. I think I might have the phone <laughs> on the market. But I just the, the, the opportunity to live the scripture mm. 
and experience it that way. It just, it was so, I'm just so blessed. Amen. I can't tell you, like, I don't want anybody to experience COVID. I know that many other people had it much worse. I know that we are totally out of control of what's going on with it. Um, You know, the doctors and the nurses, I am so grateful to them. The nurses are unbelievable. The, the work they put in, regardless of how you feel politically, regardless of the mask issue, regardless of the vaccines and how you feel about all this stuff, Mm -hmm. the nurses are doing the work. Mm -hmm. The doctors are relentless in checking. I mean, I had three different doctors working on my case and they're just constantly making rounds. And I was even in a small city hospital. What they're doing is please, please do what you can to thank them and, and support them because it's, it's special what they're doing. Amen. Um, yeah, such a, such an incredible experience all around. We're yeah, almost out of time here. Go it's ahead. It's quite Andy. interesting. Uh, whenever I was talking to my little brother yesterday on my way home from church about this exact issue of of suffering, and we were talking about. Um, he was like, "Yeah, I was reading about these the detractors of uh, Mother Teresa and how she had this dark night of the soul, like then they were using that to say she w- wasn't really saintly." And I was trying to explain. I was explaining to him how our Lord, those who He loves. He allows to suffer so much more than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And he always gives them the grace sufficient to overcome it. Not that you will overcome it, but that you have the sufficient grace to be able to overcome it. Amen. Um, and so I just thought, I was thinking about that while you're telling your story, and I thought that was very beautiful. Uh, so we got about a minute left before we have to say goodbye. So final words, Catherine and Dave Denuso. I just want to say, to, and I'll make it as quick as I can, is that this is to the wives out there. Every day of my marriage, I pray to God, please don't take my husband. I am not strong enough to do it without him. Mm. And I take what you just said. And when God took Dave from me in this time period, he proved to me over and over again that I was right, that I could not do it without Dave. But what it taught me was I could do it with him. He gave me someone to fix my car in the middle of the, you know, when the battery went dead. And he gave me meals on the on my front porch and he gave me random people sending money and he gave me everything I needed. And so absolutely when you are, I thank God every day that he loved me enough to put me through this suffering so I can love my husband better as this gift instead of my savior. All right. My relationship, I'm sorry to have to cut you off, but we are out of time. God love you both, Dave and Catherine Denuso, for sharing your story. TrueManhood.com, check that out. Check them out on YouTube as well. We'll post this interview on our YouTube channel at YouTube.com forward slash GRN online. God bless you. God love you both. Thank you for your inspiring story today. It really did uh, help the rest of us. Don't forget, we're giving away a Mercedes in the next hour across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Tune in to find out how you might drive away a brand new car. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.